This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about milkshakes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and this is mostly because we were discussing what our comfort foods are. Mm-hmm. And for me, milkshakes specifically chocolate milkshakes, are, like, number one. Who? All right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious why we're talking about comfort foods as we once again come to you from our home studios, a.k.a. our closets via yep. Skype. <laughs> <laughs> we got a cat involved today. Yeah, It's going to be real interesting. We're going to live fast and loose. Yeah, yeah. G- Gray Cat is sitting in on the session. He is judging us all actively. So I love the cat judgment. It <laughs> just makes my work all the better because I feel like I've really got to got to bring it home. <laughs> well, good. Good cuz that's what we're getting. So. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so yeah, chocolate milkshakes are one of my ultimate comfort foods and I rarely rarely resort to them. They're they're sort of my nuclear option. If I had a hierarchy of comfort (laughs) foods, they're like, oh God, she's got a chocolate milkshake. Um, And I have one tiny thing of chocolate ice cream that one of my friends left at my apartment forever ago that I'm waiting until things get more dire for me as self-quarantine goes on. Okay. It's there. It's It's there there. if you need it, but you don't want to pull that trigger yet. I see. No. Also, I have no milk, so there's that (laughs) issue. (laughs) I'm sure I would find a way, but it probably the result would not be good. 
Um, but one of the reasons it's one of my favorite comfort foods, I think I talked about it in our nostalgic foods episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that when I was little, if I was sad or sick, my mom would get just like two or three scoops of Breyer's chocolate ice cream and she'd put them in a cup. She'd fill it almost to the top with 2% milk, hand mix it with a spoon, and that was it. And it, it wasn't super amazing um, as far as milkshakes go. Usually it was a bit chunky with like those ice crystals, you know, but it was always special and it always made me feel better. And relevant to uh, self-quarantining. I think I've said before, I've been quarantined a more than once. Although <laughs> I think the technical term is isolated. I'm not sure. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I can't tell you about previous iterations, but go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I had swine flu when I was in college and I was so sick that food was the last thing on my mind. But when I finally started feeling better, I remember it was Halloween day, uh, I emerged from my teeny tiny room in our six-person dorm with my my medical gloves and mask on. And I made a box of Kraft mac and cheese and a chocolate milkshake. Those are my two go-tos. Oh, I, you know, as we were talking about this, I was trying to come up with my list of comfort foods and I was like this is weird like this is like it's it's like grilled cheese (laughs) and then like vindaloo and I'm like I'm not sure where where and how this occurred but uh yeah milkshakes are not on there for me uh I did go through a pretty intense milkshake phase in college uh like part of my weekly routine involved after going to like an 80s dance night uh coming coming back and getting like a vanilla milkshake from Whataburger and <laughs> sipping on it while we played Halo at my friend's house. So that is college. <laughs> if I've ever heard a college story, <laughs> that is one. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, no. These these days, I like I I do love a milkshake, but man, they don't love me. They do not love me. I should uh, not have that much dairy all at the same time. Um, honestly, the idea of drinking one kind of makes me a little queasy. Because uh, they're mm. so sweet, and I can't handle that much sugar, really. And I don't know. I, I can have, like, a tiny one, but huh, huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I certainly that's one of the reasons they're so rare that I resort <laughs> to them. Um, <laughs> uh, but I have had so many amazing milkshakes in my life. I've also had my fair share of freak shakes, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Freak? And freak shake? Freak shakes? Freak. Freak shake. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for an Instagram hole, that is <laughs> my recommendation for today. Uh, Flip Burger from Richard Blaze has some really good creative milkshakes. Um, Krispy Kreme, Nutella. It has like a toasted marshmallow, I believe, on top. And a foie gras milkshake. And uh, they do theirs, I believe, with a, with liquid nitrogen um, yeah. instead of, yeah. So it's it's an interesting process. Indeed. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, speaking of Richard Blaze, yeah, uh, Food Court debuted the new podcast that I think we mentioned previously. It's it's called Food Court with Richard Blaze, and uh, he is the judge in such uh, I- important decisions as uh, oh yeah, fries crispy versus soggy, or pineapple on pizza, yes versus no, or uh, blue cheese versus ranch. Those are those are the Which three. Which we have weighed in. We've Oof. weighed in on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can see our episode on ranch about that or wings. 
I think both. I think we talked about it in both. <laughs> we have very strong opinion. Well, I have very strong opinion, and Lauren is kind and lets me voice it. Um, <laughs> oh, um, the first thing I I had when I got back from living in China, actually Wuhan. Um, I was there for almost a year. The first thing I went to, the first place I went to, was Steak and Shake, and I had a dark chocolate milkshake and those like crispy thin steak fries. Oh Before yeah. Before you judge yeah. me. It was like four in the morning and one of the only things <laughs> open. So I don't really regret it. I'm not ashamed of it. Is it the best place I could have gone for my first meal? Hmm. But I liked it. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, as long as long as you're having a nice time. And I mean, furthermore, I don't think that there's anything truly more American than <laughs> going to a very steak American first day. at four in the morning and getting <laughs> fries and a milkshake. Yeah. Uh, There's a National Milkshake Day. It is August 1st. Um, But National Chocolate Milkshake Day is September 12th. And National Vanilla Milkshake Day is June 20th. And National Coffee Milkshake Day is July 26th. So... A lot of opportunities to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. And those are only the four that I found. I, you know, I'm not... not Others could be out there. I... Definitely believe there's at least a strawberry milkshake day. You know, I would hope so. I would I would certainly hope so. Maybe a listener can write in and let us know. Or maybe we can start it. Like, I don't know right? what the rules are. What are the parameters? Can't think, we just say, hey, <laughs> I, let's I, go. I think that for it to be official, we have to, like, write our senator or something like that. And I feel like oh, they're oh. trying to do more important things right now. Or That's fair. Yeah. Should I be so. trying to do more important things. Anyway, that's a separate conversation, friends. That is. But <laughs> speaking of, if you're looking for a separate conversation related to what we're talking about today, you can see our Sunday episode for our very silly law and order take on who invented <laughs> the Sunday. And also relevant is our um, soda episode. A lot of that stuff comes up in here. Yes, absolutely. And... Uh, I guess we should point out that we're not really talking about ice cream today, just about milkshakes, because no. ice cream, hoof, that's a that's a large oh. separate topic. It is, and it's a fascinating one, and I can't wait to return to it. But today... But today, this brings us to our question. Yes. Milkshakes. What are they? Well, uh, a milkshake is a dessert drink treat it's um a vaguely drinkable ice cream it's it's slightly liquefied ice cream or largely frozen milk plus flavorings that you can mm. sip through a straw um though exactly how like liquefied and or frozen it's meant to be upon serving is a matter of some debate like should you be able to drink it should you need to use a spoon should it be able to stay in its cup if you turn the whole cup upside down I don't know. I I'm I don't have an opinion about this one. I do, but I I don't really care too much to voice it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no, now I'm curious. Which which one do you prefer? Oh, I feel like if if you need a spoon, then that's not a milkshake. That's like kind of a soft serve ice cream situation. Yeah. I but see I'm you. not too like I think I could be convinced is what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, but in my <laughs> mind, it's milkshake is more of a drinking sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you, but I, I suppose that even, like, I mean, if you need a spoon to start with, but then you can move to a straw. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's, you know. Yeah. 
I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, at any rate, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, blenders are used to achieve this range of textures. Uh, you, you traditionally start with a ice cream and milk and whatever other flavorings you want to add in and use an electric blender to, uh, to, to break down the structure of the ice cream and to whip in uh, a bit of extra air. Um, some fast food places will conversely start with like a flavored, thickened mix of, of milk and stuff and, and simultaneously blend and chill it until a similar consistency is reached than going the other way. Um, some recipes uh, for either will add ice for texture and or to like fill out the shake a bit. And those flavorings can be anything. Yes. No matter what they are made with, uh, milkshakes are often topped with whipped cream, sometimes other stuff as well, frequently like ice cream toppings like syrups or crushed candy. And the result is a thick, cold, creamy, hypothetically drinkable confection. (laughs) And the flavor possibilities are endless. Cookout, the fast food chain, has at least 40 flavors on the menu. And this is a Southern fast food chain, if y'all haven't heard of it. Uh, like, you can see one from our office. Uh, we're, we're pretty spoiled on t- tasty local-ish fast food. Uh, but, um, yeah. They are famous for their milkshakes. And um, however, the, the Guinness record for the most milkshakes on a menu is 207 and what? that's from this restaurant in Cape Town, South Africa, <gasps> uh, Gibson's Gourmet Burgers and Ribs. Oh, why did I not go there when I was in Cape Town? <sighs> Maybe they were oh. closed. It was New Year's. Oh, that's true. Everything was closed, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this brings back the malt versus non-malt debate. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I, I don't. Like I said, I don't think I've ever had a malted milkshake or a malt, as they're sometimes called. And this is why we need Kyle with the motorcycle. Where are you? I hope you're staying in and staying safe. But if you can weigh in on this debate, you had so much knowledge around it. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we've we've got a little bit more on malted milk later, but I I, I will say that that malt is one of my favorite milkshake flavors. I, I I guess it probably wasn't a plain vanilla. It was probably a malted vanilla milkshake that I was having at that Whataburger weekly experience. Mm. That weekly Whataburger <laughs> experience. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> oh, college. Um, and uh, <laughs> let's, uh, speaking of, <laughs> let's talk about the nutrition. Oh. Because my friend's dad used to always say, back when I was in high school, he would always say to us, you have to run 10 miles to cancel out one Chick-fil-A milkshake. You know that that really depends. That that is a that is a subjective <laughs> statement uh, because according to Chick Fil A's nutrition information, their shakes run between five hundred and seven hundred and fifty calories per shake, uh, and the average human person will burn. Uh, not according to Chick Fil A. This is according to other humans. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, they might have said it too. I don't know. Anyway, uh, they'll, they'll burn between um, eighty and one hundred and forty calories per mile run. So. Mm-hmm. If you get Chick-fil-A's most caloric shake and are on the low end of that burn rate, like you are looking at like a 9.4 mile run in order to work off a Chick-fil-A milkshake. But, you know, (laughs) results may vary. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, because because milkshakes milkshakes are not a health food. Um, you know, the dairy components tend to be high in fat. All dairy contains natural sugars, and then on top of that, there's usually a lot of added sugars. You're going to get a little bit of protein, a punch of micronutrients, but 
I, you know, like a, a milkshake will indeed help fill you up, but it won't really keep you going. It's a, it's a treat. Ah, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> But because of Milkshake's reputation as a treat, well, A, a um, shake-style beverages are like a whole dieting thing in the world of dieting. But, but B, milkshakes of varying kinds have been used in like a lot of physiological and psychological research. For example, in 2018, researchers looking at like the immediate dietary effects on, on blood cells and blood vessels had a small sample of men uh, drink a high-fat milkshake. Think like 1,000 calories, 80 grams of fat. That's over your recommended daily intake of fat for a person in a day. So they had them drink this shake and then observed that four hours later, their, their blood vessels were less able to dilate and some of their red blood cells became like sort of spiky instead of smooth, uh, both of which can can raise your blood pressure. Um, although don't don't worry, don't worry too much. Don't put down the milkshake. It's as long as you don't do this like for every meal, your body evens itself out over time. I mean like yes, <laughs> there can be cumulative effects, but don't don't panic. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and then in 2008, um, other researchers in Oregon used chocolate milkshakes to help test dopamine response to food intake, uh, partially because milkshakes are like easy to sip when your patient is or when your subject is lying in an, in an MRI machine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but they found essentially that, um, that some people who overeat may do so because their brain chemistry doesn't reward food intake with very much dopamine release, like meaning that those folks have to eat more to get the same positive feeling from food as other folks. And then in 2016, um, a study played with the viscosity of milkshakes as it relates to satiety and and digestive time. So like they, they made thick and thin versions of both 100 calorie and 500 calorie shakes. And the thick shakes made the subjects feel more full, no matter how many calories the shakes actually contained. Interesting. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, uh, the recommendation that came out of that one was basically like, if you're doing a meal replacement shake or a smoothie or something, you can add thickening agents to to make you feel full for longer, like a banana or oats or avocado, stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And... <laughs> There's more. More, uh, more. In 2011, a group of researchers out of Yale did this small experiment where they gave milkshakes to two groups of volunteers. And for, for one group, they described this shake as an indulgent 620-calorie shake. And to the other group, they described it as a sensible 140-calorie shake. All the shakes were the same, uh, 380 calories, but they tested the, the subject's levels of this gut hormone called ghrelin um, before and after drinking the shake. And, and ghrelin levels in our systems uh, spike when we're hungry and, uh, and slow our metabolism down, like just in case we don't find food. And, and then ghrelin levels drop when we're sated, allowing our metabolism to kick in and help us digest. So after drinking these totally the same shakes, um, the subjects who thought they had gotten an indulgent one had lower levels of ghrelin than the subjects who thought that they had gotten a sensible one. So in other words, when people thought they had eaten more calories, they were more sated. 
which (laughs) is just really interesting because it means like psychology has something to do with our actual physiological response to eating. That is fascinating. Milkshake science. Um, So much of it. Who knew? Yeah, I know, right? They're even, (laughs) milkshakes are even used as rewards in some mouse studies. For example, uh, I found this so darling. Okay, so for the past few years, researchers have been uh, super into using touchscreens as part of mouse studies because if because you can totally teach a mouse to to poke a particular area uh, or it's like like a button on a touchscreen with their little mouse nose uh, in order to get a reward and that's a much more directly applicable thing to to human use and studies than uh, than buttons and levers and stuff like that so so yeah, just little strawberry mouse milkshake rewards in research and touchscreens and I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I liked I, li- I liked I liked that I liked reading that story. Anyway, yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> um, well, there, there's a lot of studies clearly, but we also do have some numbers for you. We we do. Um, and okay, okay, so. I've come to understand that milkshakes are a very American thing, um, but you can find them all over the world, and people seem to like them. Oh, yeah. Milkshakes are so popular, like part of why McDonald's is a thing level of popular. (laughs) And more on that later. We've also done a McDonald's episode. You can check that Mm -hmm. out. We talked about Mm -hmm. it in that one. Um, Multiple chains have said milkshakes are one of their most profitable items, if not the most profitable item. According to Christopher Muller, director of the Center for Multi-Unit Restaurant Management at Orlando's University of Central Florida, um, milkshakes are about 75% profit. Sonic, the drive-in restaurant, um, they say the the marketing manager there once said shakes are their, quote, highest volume revenue producing areas. Huh. And yes, freak shakes. Okay. Okay. All right. So so this isn't like a Halloween thing. What What is no, this? No, but it can be. <laughs> <laughs> the world is your oyster when it comes to freak shakes. So these are milkshakes, but extreme like garnished (laughs) with a slice of pie and maybe on top of that is a slice of cake like donuts pretzels um yeah that everything you can imagine has been added to it they are the ultimate instagrammable food i think when the first time i saw one that was a moment of clarity or it's like oh my god instagram is really shaping a lot of what we're (laughs) eating these days but i had to have one i totally was in um Huh. They are attributed, largely attributed to Anna Petridis at her Patisse cafes in Canberra, Australia. Um, so I actually was going to go there. I, I was going to go to New Zealand and go out of my way to make a stop in Canberra to go to one of these cafes, but it got canceled, unfortunately. Oh. Um, not COVID related. This was years ago. Um, so I'm, I didn't get to have the quote original freak shake, but I did have one at Black Tap in New York City, and it was topped with multiple chocolate chip cookies and like an ice cream sandwich and um, whipped cream, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, I'll, I'll try to dig up the picture. I definitely took a picture, right. um, and I shared it with somebody, so it was doable. But if I, I could not have finished that thing. By myself. <laughs> so, oh man, I I don't know. For some reason, I I like I'm anti this entire idea, partially because all a lot of the photographs of these things are very messy. Like they involve like syrup and stuff, and and, and drips of ice cream being like down the sides of the glass. 
And for Mm -hmm. some reason, that grosses me the heck out. I'm like, (laughs) no, no, that's wrong. And I don't like it. And I don't want it. And I don't want other people to like it. So there. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I have such a firm emotion about drips down the sides of glasses not being attractive. I think that's I think that's legitimate. You don't want your fingers to get sticky. That's um, the thing. And they would get so sticky. Gosh. They would. They would. <laughs> I don't recall that happening in mine, the one I had, but uh maybe. I'll look back. Yeah. I'll report. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, because on the flips, I these are also reminding me of a of our Bloody Mary episode and all of the like oh, extreme sure. Bloody Marys that um that people make and consume. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the dairy aspect. I feel like you've got a thing with dairy. Yeah, maybe that's it. I'm just like, oh, so much, so much ice cream. A little bit, little tiny bits is great. Anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> sp- speaking of little tiny bits of ice cream, the Guinness record for the largest milkshake is from the year 2000. It was a 6,000-gallon milkshake. Ooh. Uh, what's called a black and white, uh, uh, which is vanilla with chocolate syrup. <laughs> and that is over... 22,700 liters. It's it's the equivalent of about 50,000 normal milkshakes. And it was put together uh, by a devilish collaboration between uh, the Comfort Diners, <laughs> um, Parmalat Milk, the American Dairy Association, and the Dairy Council, and assembled in a milk tanker that was decorated to look like a milkshake. And it was driven uh, and distributed through Manhattan. Wow. Huh. <laughs> now that's a lot of milkshake. <laughs> that that is quite. It's not a small amount of milkshake. It's no, quite a bit. Um, there's also a record for uh, the most expensive milkshake, but it was only worth a hundred bucks. I feel like they're not even trying. Oh yeah, we could. I mean, we could beat that record if we're looking for a record to beat. That's easy. Oh, that's. I mean, come on, right? Right? Like, I mean, well, like, have like, to invest. <laughs> just put like more gold leaf in there. I mean, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Top anyway. it with some caviar. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, milkshakes are incredibly popular in our media, especially here in the United States. I found a whole essay about how milkshakes are a shorthand for sweetness, like human sweet sweetness, um, and innocence and virginity often. Huh. Um, but then there's also Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, then, of course, there's the I drink your milkshake scene from There Will Be Blood, which didn't involve a milkshake, by the way. Um, uh, I was I was reading, and, um, and and some of this has gone international. There is a dance and music festival in Amsterdam called the Milkshake Festival, and it it uh I, I'm not I couldn't really track down like like the origin of the name immediately, but um but it celebrates like the queer community and tolerance and like being yourself in whatever glorious form you choose. So oh. I I really liked that. I thought that that was a good like like milkshake being a good metaphor for yeah. those things. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then of course they're like on the opposite end of the uh, innocent virginal <laughs> spectrum. Uh, there's also the uh, you want some fries to go with that shake, and um, milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. So you know the milkshake's out representing is what we're saying. It is. It is. It's mm-hmm. it's doing it's it's doing double duty. Yeah. It is, and uh, it has been for a while actually. Yeah, and we will get into the history of that right after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And as we said at the top, this is not the ice cream episode. That will happen one day, but it is not today. Uh, no, no, because that is that is a lot. Um, very, very briefly, um, rich folks have been eating flavored ices for at least a couple thousand years. And the, like, dairy-based... Uh, creamed ices or ice creams that we know today started developing around the 16th century. Yeah, and around that time, we were seeing milk-based concoctions like possets and eggnog. Um, and you could see our episodes on eggnog and butterbeer <laughs> for more on that. Uh, yeah, ice cream wasn't widely available until ice and refrigeration technology developed uh, in the mid-1800s. So, so before then, any kind of creamy treats would have been less frozen. Yeah, often hot because... Milk was a dangerous, this was dicey game back then. Absolutely. Uh, yes. The When the term milkshakes first came onto the scene in 1885, uh, these milkshakes were for adults only, and that's because they were usually plied with at least one shot of whiskey. Uh, but not just whiskey. Uh, it was a mixture of eggs, maybe uh, malt, maybe sugar, milk, crushed ice, maybe some flavorings, ice cream, Almost definitely not involved. Um, these early milkshakes had a similar thickness to eggnog and were served both as a treat and a tonic. And we have this early description of them. 
sturdy, healthful eggnog-type drink with eggs, whiskey, etc., served as a tonic as well as a treat. (laughs) The popular story goes that the drink got its name from the practice of tipping and shaking the hand of the person who made the drink. Probably apocryphal. I don't know. But a lot of people say that. In 1886, an Atlanta Constitution article called Milkshake had this quote, The newest Atlanta drink is a milkshake. You get it at the soda fountains. The mixer of cooling beverages pours out a glass of sweet milk, puts in a big spoonful of crushed ice, puts in a mixture of unknown ingredients, draws a bit of any desired syrup, shakes the milk in a tin can like a barkeeper mixes lemonade, sprinkles a little nutmeg on the foaming milk until it looks something like a Tom and Jerry, sits it out for you, and you pay five cents. Milkshake is an Atlanta drink. Atlanta is nothing if not original. <laughs> I I guess I can't argue with that sentiment. True, yeah. I was nodding my head in agreement when yeah. I read that article. If you're curious, I didn't know this, but uh, Tom and Jerry is a Christmas cocktail similar to eggnog. I did not know that. And now I, I have more research to do about Tom and Jerry. That's great. Exactly. I want to know the name. Where does it come from? But for today... Milkshakes didn't stay relegated to an adult beverage for long. By the 1900s, the whiskey and eggs were out, and these drinks became an all-ages treat. Chocolate, strawberry, vanilla syrup was usually added in the mix, and these shakes were frequently served in a tall glass. But what about the ice cream? What about the ice cream? Well, let me tell you, Walgreens. (laughs) Walgreens takes credit for inventing the milkshake when it comes to that addition of ice cream. Uh, Specifically, Walgreens employee Ivar Pop Colson out of Chicago. From their website, quote, Until then, malted milk drinks were made by mixing milk, chocolate syrup, and a spoonful of malt powder in a metal container, then pouring the mixture into a glass. On one especially hot summer day in 1922, Pop Colson set off his revolution. To the basic mixture, he added a generous scoop of vanilla ice cream, then another. <laughs> you gotta have two scoops. You do, you do. It's a, one scoop does not a milkshake make. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, also found another article from the Atlanta Constitution, first published in 1885, that was an interview with a local soda jerk about soda fountains. Um, and it, it kind of touches on this, but it's surprisingly gendered and sexist. And will you allow me to... To quote it, I yeah sure. I, and it is surprisingly the right word from 1885. I mean, <laughs> well, it's like it wasn't even brought up. He just said this of his own volition. The interviewer was like, "So, what do you what do you sell a lot of?" And he's like, "Well, let me tell you about the ladies." Anyway, <laughs> okay, no, please, please regale us. <laughs> All right. Ice cream soda is a favorite with the ladies and the little ones. It is really one of the most pleasant mixtures we serve, though rarely asked for by men. The ladies like it for two reasons. First, because it is good. (laughs) And second, because it can be eaten with a spoon. A glass of soda with colored foam on top does not commend itself, especially to a woman when she is with a gentleman for whom she has some liking. It is awkward to get away with it without caring upon her lip a mustache. By the way, <laughs> have you ever noticed ladies drinking soda water? What? They invariably hold the glass in one hand and their handkerchief in the other. In between every sip, they wipe off their lip. A man never begins using his handkerchief until after he settles his score. He's halfway out of the place. Not so with the ladies. Therefore, anything that requires a spoon is more popular with them than beverages that require to be drunk. Consequently, we sell a great deal of ice cream soda. <laughs> 
Okay, dude. All <laughs> like, all right, sure. He also had this delightful nugget, which isn't really related, but I'm sorry, we have to include it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in the first place, the most curious one to me, he was talking about flavors, according to my way of thinking, and one that is most frequently called for is pineapple soda with cream, pineapple milkshakes, and lemon and nectar. If there is anything on earth that is calculated to make man's stomach rebel, it is pineapple ice cream. (laughs) There ought to be a law against this manufacture. Indeed, anything that has milk or cream in it should not, under any circumstances, be flavored with pineapple. The countrymen in the city taking in the town and patronizing for the first time the soda water fountain will invariably choose pineapple and something else. To him, pineapple is the embodiment of all that is desirable and pleasant. And when he gets home and gets sick, as he invariably does, after indulging in his pineapple and milk potations, it never once occurs to him, the pineapple is the cause. (laughs) By itself, it is an excellent and pleasant drink, and as far as I know, harmless. But the moment (laughs) it becomes associated with milk in an unlimited partnership, that moment it becomes an enemy of the state. Wow. That's okay. Some drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nobody tell this dude, nobody go back in time and tell this dude about the Dole Whip. I think he'll like fall right <laughs> out of his over. own skin. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that is a strong opinion about pineapple milkshakes. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, pivoting away from that, uh, uh-huh. malted milk powder. Yeah. Malted milk powder was invented in the 1870s-ish. There's a bunch of dates that float around um, as a nutritional supplement for infants. Okay, so malt grain, we talked about it briefly before, but uh, it is something that's dried quickly after it sprouts, resulting in a sweet mash. And you grind that up and add that to wheat flour and powdered milk and possibly other things like sugar, and you have malted milk powder. And again, remember, this is a time when milk-borne illnesses were fairly common, so people were interested in coming up with this thing. So for a short history, London pharmacist James Horlicks began working on a supplement for babies and sick people in 1869. Problem, though, he couldn't secure any funding. So he packed up shop and moved to Wisconsin, where his brother was located. The two came together to form J&W Horlicks outside of Chicago and started producing the formula. Uh, They received a patent for diastoid, which was, quote, a granulated food for infants in 1883. A couple of years later, they changed the name to malted milk, which is a real shame if you ask me, but they got a lot of flack for calling it diastoid. Um, A lot of the marketing around it promoted it as a health food, all, all kinds of things, from a sleep aid to digestive aid to flu recovery. It was a popular option among explorers, too. I imagine it was comparable to our modern protein drinks or energy bars, or at least that's how people thought about them. Because of this, Admiral Richard E. Byrd named a mountain range after William Horlick in the Antarctic mountains. So, hey, not bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Horlick's later engaged in several legal battles to retain ownership of the phrase malted milk, but ultimately they lost. From what I understand, again, Kyle with the motorcycle, um, right in, when it came to malted shakes or malts, the malt powder made them fattier, more of a meal, and gave them a more robust, rounded flavor. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that in in these are modern times, if you're adding malt to something like that, yeah, it just gives it a little bit of a, of a depth of flavor, just something kind of not quite savory, but it, kind of roasty toasty. Yeah. Roasty toasty. Love it. <laughs> 
These early milkshakes um, were typically mixed by hand because there were no electric blenders yet. But that changed in 1911 when Hamilton Beach introduced the first electric mixer. Soda fountains adopted them pretty quickly. And then in 1922, the invention of the electric blender catapulted the availability and thus the popularity of the milkshake. And also helping out the milkshake, the non-alcoholic variety, was prohibition during the United States. Um, I, I have, you know, a confession. One of the reasons I wanted to live alone is because I have extreme guilt about using my blender. I, and I want, I was super into smoothies. So I, I was like, I, <laughs> why do you, why do you have guilt about using a blender? I, they're loud and I didn't want to wake anybody or bother anybody. So I would like go out into the, I would do all kinds of things <laughs> to try to use it and not bother Aww. people. Um, so now I live alone. <laughs> And I wow. don't make smoothies anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, another innovation important to the milkshake's evolution was the invention of the Freon refrigerator in the 1930s. In 1936, Earl Prince debuted the multi-mixer, allowing for the automated mixing and dispensing of five milkshakes at a time. And then we get it. We see a rise in milkshakes during the 50s, starting with Dairy Queen when they added milkshakes to their menu in 1949. And then, yeah, that you could see them at diners, burger joints, soda fountains all over. People even started calling soda fountains malt shops. That's how popular they were. But they were called all kinds of different things. Fraps, velvets, cabinets, frosted shakes, and this was typically used for non-malted milkshakes, and concretes, which were a specific type that you could flip over and it wouldn't plop out or drip from the glass. Um, Floats described scoops of ice cream suspended in milk. And a lot of these terms are still used, especially when you get, you zero in regionally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I do feel like in my head they are a very 1950s thing, people going on dates and sharing a milkshake. And and I was thinking a lot of our burger joints in the U.S. are like there's steak and shake, but there's also steak shack, shake shack. <laughs> Five Guys has a lot of our burger places have milkshakes as a popular option. And speaking of the whole date thing, um, Joseph Friedman patented the straw in 1937, specifically after watching his daughter struggling with a milkshake. Oh, huh. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks, milkshakes. (laughs) Future episode, the straw, because I almost a massive rabbit hole. No, 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 no. Um, (laughs) And going back to that multi-mixer. Okay, also in the 50s, multi-mixer salesman Ray Kroc, he was the sole legal distributor of this thing. And it was this super fast, like, newfangled milkshake dispenser machine. And to sell these, he came up with the idea of franchising a little chain called McDonald's. And I will say he was successful. <laughs> I'd fa- Fairly so, yeah. Yep. Uh, largely attributed to our love of milkshakes. Huh. Milkshake adjacent, when the first Wendy's opened in 1969, it had five items on the menu, including the Frosty, which a lot of people argue about whether that's a milkshake, but thought we'd toss that in there. And now, attempted murder. (laughs) Okay, that was a hard turn. That was a hard turn from Frosties to attempted murder, but go ahead. Come with me. (laughs) Okay, so apparently Fidel Castro loved 
milkshakes. And the CIA would have loved to kill him. So the story goes that the CIA poisoned his favorite chocolate milkshake at his favorite restaurant. The CIA bribed the mafia to do this, who bribed a waiter at the restaurant to do this. So he put a poisoned pill. uh, The plan was he was going to put a poison pill in Castro's milkshake. But he put it in the freezer, and alas, or not alas, uh, when he went to get it out and put it in Castro's milkshake, it had frozen to the bottom of the freezer. And when he tried to kind of maneuver it off, it ripped open. Oh, the pill? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So plot foiled, uh, <laughs> they, and they did not try death by milkshake again. Well, gosh. Close I mean, that's call. the way to get me. I'll, I'll be <laughs> open with you. Please don't, please, please, please no one poison Annie. <laughs> yeah, please don't do it. But, you know, I'll be frank. That, that yeah. would do it for me. Yeah, no, it would. Yep. Yep. That would work 100%. <laughs> That's not the only political thing milkshakes have been involved in either. <laughs> in 2019, throwing milkshakes at politicians or milkshaking became a popular form of protesting, particularly in the United Kingdom to the point that the UK police officially requested that McDonald's stop selling milkshakes in May 2019. That's wild to me. So Burger King responded with a tweet, we're selling milkshakes all weekend, have fun. But (laughs) the tweet was later banned by the Advertising Standards Authority in the UK. So much intrigue. Oh my God. That's spectacular. I hadn't heard about this. Okay. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Milkshaking. That's going to be my rabbit hole of the of the afternoon. I'm excited. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> meanwhile, um, the aforementioned song "Milkshake" about bringing all the boys to your yard uh, came out in 2003. And apparently the, the artist, uh, Kellis, uh, Kellis, uh, later studied at Le Cordon Bleu and put out a cookbook called My Yay. Life on a Plate. Yeah. Uh, but also, apparently she had never made a milkshake until 2017 when oh. she, she did like a sponsorship thing with Bailey's involving their, their Irish cream liqueur, um, chocolate ice cream, ginger beer, candied ginger, and cayenne pepper. Sounds good. It does sound good. And... That milkshakes are having kind of a, a renaissance when it comes to fancier type milkshakes and things like adding alcohol back in there. So yeah. boozy milkshakes making a comeback. Full circle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a whole whole wide world of milkshake experimentation and it's very exciting. It is. You know, I'm I'm always glad when people get to experiment. So Yes. Yes. So that's about what we have to say for milkshakes. I, I got to admit, I thought this one was going to be short and sweet. <laughs> but then when they were talking about like attempted murder and protesting, <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this this was a this was a fun one. I, I didn't think that I would have this much fun and I didn't think that I would have a craving, but I totally had a craving. So there you go. I do, too. But no milk. <laughs> no milk. To no Oh, but you but you have that dairy and ice cream. If you did have milk, you could make a dairy and ice Ooh, cream. Ooh, you're right. Shake. You're right. Maybe uh, I'll next time I venture out to the grocery store. Well, if there is milk, maybe I'll get some. But in the meantime, that has brought us to the end of what we have to say for now about milkshakes. Uh-huh. Yes, we we do we do have a little bit more for you. Um, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener mail. <laughs> this is going to be a whole, we're going to have to learn. We were barely doing it before oh. we were in the studio together. But now with Skype, we're going to have to be like on top of yeah. our. <laughs> yeah, with this with this delay, I'm, I'm going to say it's like an extra challenge level. Uh, so sorry about it. Uh, and or you're welcome. I don't know. I don't know what we're, you like. We're at the beginning of like leveling up. So right yeah. now it's hard, but we'll eventually <laughs> we'll learn more skills and we'll pick pick up more listener mail cues. It'll be good. Victoria wrote in Machias, Maine, or perhaps Machias, uh, is a restaurant called Helen's. Back in 2014, they suffered from a fire. The building destroyed despite firefighters' efforts. Afterwards, while officials were looking through photos taken the night of restaurants burning, they noticed one photo showed the silhouette of a figure standing in a window. The owner said it was the window next to where all the pies were stored. Investigating the area led to nobody, but a pie did make it out unburned. A blueberry pie with a single slice missing. Did the ghost chili aura protect that which it ate from? (laughs) (laughs) This was in response to our call for uh, paranormal, supernatural food stories. So thank you so much, Victoria. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 
good taste. Uh, Ghost, you know? Yeah. No, blueberry pie is great, especially mm-hmm. like a good, like fresh blueberry pie. Oh, oh man. Yes. <sighs> Delia Jane wrote, I thought you might want to hear about my sourdough culture and how I became colloquially known on my college campus as the bread girl. This past summer, I was going through a pretty tough time and began looking for some new hobbies and interests. I found your show, and you never fail to cheer me up. Needing a project, I settled on baking homemade bread from scratch. Originally, I thought this would be something I do every now and again, but it's become part of my nearly everyday dietary, recreational, and mental health routine. I've not purchased a single loaf of bread in almost eight months. Naturally, when I moved back to campus this fall, the hobby carried over, much to the delight of my roommates, friends, D&D slash Settlers of Catan group, and upstairs neighbors, who once knocked, asking why it smells like a bakery all the time, only to be gifted with warm, fresh slices of rye bread in response. Once my roommate jokingly wrote, You like homemade bread? You want some? All loaves less than $10, followed by a number on a whiteboard in a study lounge. Well... People actually began texting me, and I actually began selling a large amount of bread to fellow broke college kids and turned a profit. On campus, you can see people happily walk around with their loaves wrapped in tinfoil and one of the personalized sticky notes I like to attach, eagerly telling their friends. Pretty much everyone I knew began telling their friends and classmates, even mentioning it to professors. My best friend tells me I give flour purpose. I have a running list on my phone with bread puns I want to one day turn into bakery names. Some of my favorites include Live and Let Rye, In Bread We Crust, To Rye For, and Yeast Meets West. Potential bakery slogan, we give all purposes to flour. Oh, yes. <laughs> the thing is, I'm an incredibly shy and introverted person. I tend to be very reserved around new people, but now have this lovely bread reputation preceding me. When my roommates throw a party, I'll always pull out a loaf or make one before we go out to a bar. I'll walk into parties and instead of blending into the background like I used to, a roar of cheers and praise will erupt for the bread girl, followed by complimentary drinks. I'm 21, I promise. I make all types of bread and I'm working my way through American Test Kitchen's cookbook, Bread Illustrated, which is enshrined on the windowsill of my apartment for all to see and to mark the home of the bread girl. I'm a biology major and am taking an elective this semester called Yeast Genetics and Genomics, and have learned so much about fermentation, beer, and bread. When studying, I often think of my favorite yeast poop or bacteria poop sound bites. Our first homework assignment was to bring in a craft beer from which we isolated and grew up yeast cells. Our final project was going to be brewing beer with wild yeast samples we collected from trees, and the professor was even going to see if I could make a loaf of bread with it. Sadly, my classes are canceled the rest of the semester due to the coronavirus outbreak. Being home for a while, I decided to set up a sourdough starter completely from scratch using only flour and water. Until now, I've been using a cheater sourdough recipe that utilizes Greek yogurt and a single-use overnight sponge. Still delicious. My dad actually makes homebrewed beer and, being home as well, started his latest batch at the same time. We're both excited to see how our respective yeast collections will influence the other, but my guess is he'll end up making a sour beer. And, may I say, the smell of a sourdough culture in its first few days of existence is… indescribable. I have never experienced such a confusing olfactory combination of comforting hominess and downright dirty gym sock. 
My culture isn't mature enough to bake a loaf of naturally leavened sourdough with yet, but I've been saving the discard every day and used it today in a cinnamon raisin sourdough. I know that was a lot, but I love talking about bread and yeast and baking, and I figured this was a good audience for it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Always that is all. Tell us. So delightful. Yes. I love the icky roll up into the bar and you've got bread. And, and you've got like, bread cracker. with you. Yep. <laughs> like, hey, here's, here I am. Here's my bread. That is Ready so, to party. So cool. I mean, anybody that shows up at any party I throw with a loaf of homemade bread is, yeah, they're Oh the best. my gosh. Yes. Um, a dear friend of mine, Elodie, who happens to be the uh, executive chef at a restaurant in Atlanta called Full Commission, um, which is mostly shut down due to COVID, but is is running some takeaway specials. And I think just to keep herself sane, she's also been making a lot of bread. And I got a big old loaf of fresh sourdough, like fresh nice. out of the oven, like still warm, like still too hot to, to slice sourdough. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really, it was really important to my life at that moment. Oh, Yeah. And I know uh, probably a lot of places are doing this, but in Atlanta, um, if anyone's curious, some bakeries are doing, like, weekly delivery things, I I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, So definitely check that out. And I know multiple of you have written in and told us about your sourdough starters and what you're naming them as you're at home and looking for these activities to do. So keep that up. Like, I'm inspired to, like, try it. (laughs) I know, right? I just want to see what I get, right? (laughs) I know. There's some, like, exciting, fun science project vibe around it. So... Keep those emails coming. Thanks to both of them for emailing us already. If you would like to email us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also get in touch with us via social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's also where you can find that new show, uh, Food Court with Richard Blaze. Fun times, yes. Uh, Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
happy pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.